Welcome to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to support, recruit, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate with you today, families and careers. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast, your only family and consumer sciences education podcast out there. Thank you so much for listening. So today I'm going to be talking about being culturally responsive and what that means. So I picked up a culturally responsive teaching from Ladson Billings from 1994. So it might be a little old, but it is still as relevant today as it was back 20 years, 20 plus years ago. So this is what they have to say. Culture is central to learning. It plays a role not only in communicating and receiving information, but also in shaping the thinking process of groups and individuals. A pedagogy that acknowledges, responds to, and celebrates fundamental cultures offers full, equitable access to education for students from all cultures. Culturally responsive teaching is a pedagogy that recognizes the importance of including students' cultural references in all aspects of learning. So some of the characteristics of culturally responsive teaching are, there are seven, which I will list off. Positive perspectives on parents and families, communication of high expectations, learning within the context of culture, student-centered instruction, culturally mediated instruction, reshaping the curriculum, and finally, teacher as facilitator. So today, I am really going to focus, hone in on communication of high expectations and student-centered instruction. I have personal experiences when it comes to communication and trying to enforce that student-centered instruction. So when it comes to culturally responsive teaching, how can we as educators better partner with our families, our communities? What are those best practices? And what I have decided and come up with over this past year of being a pandemic year where we are virtually doing anything and everything possible, trying to keep that engagement with our students, is that there is no such thing as over-communication. When I say over-communication, I mean you are translating your videos, you're translating your communications from Word documents to PDFs, pictures for interpretation, You're even connecting with your communities and schools liaisons, asking them for translation on Word documents, sending home mail letters, actual snail mail, right? As well as email, because I know in my district where we have a very high poverty rate, there are a lot of families who do not have email. So sending out that parent contact information That is crucial. Develop a survey in the beginning of your trimester or semester period, getting that student voice where students are putting in their personal information 
So that way you can better connect with them and their families. So there are many web-based free communication apps available on our smartphones, on our laptops, on our home computers, iPads, tablets, they're all over the place. Artificial intelligence is here and it, nothing is changing. It's only going to get more refined and better as we progress in this technology era that we're in. Nobody should feel left out. We need our families to feel and be part of the conversation when it comes to their kids, their students' education. My own personal reflection on this is that my third grade son, back in February, he integrated back into face-to-face instruction because my own secondary children were integrating back into face-to-face instruction. And then I was going to be quickly following suit. So I set up like, okay, this is what I need to do in order for me to be successful. This is how the snowball of events. So Michael is back in school. And let me tell you, he is loving it. And I love seeing his excitement when he comes home and sharing what he has learned or what he did in school. But what failed to happen is communication. And to no fault to his teachers, because we are all over the place. But I just had his spring parent-teacher conference. And when his teacher says, oh, he's not doing his Google, his daily Google slides, immediately my ear perked up. I'm like, what are you referring to? And she said, well, we do a daily Google slide where he has to click on certain external links to like such as Dreambox or another link that he needs to do. And I was very baffled and confused. And she saw that confusion on my face and she's like, oh, I take it, Michael has never told you. And I go, no, this is the first I've heard of this. I thought, honestly, out of my own ignorance, but also there was no communication to let me know this was the expectation moving forward. I honestly thought that, oh, he's now going to face-to-face person instruction. There's no, no more online type stuff. And she's like, no, we do a Google, a daily Google slide. And I'm like, okay. And he's been in school now for over a month. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm, first of all, I'm sorry. And she, she apologized as well. Cause she's like, well, in third grade, we start removing, not removing, but having less parent communication and try to start shifting that responsibility onto the student, which that makes complete sense. I get it. But also at the same time, if you want families to be involved and to partner with educators, that expectation needs to be shared through dialogue, conversation, emails, letters. So after we had our discussion, we then were just kind of brainstorming of better ways on helping students who do transition back to in-person school and their families. And we came up with the idea of like, we should, she should do a welcome back newsletter where she is laying out 
her expectations, her classroom norms, how her classroom management is, what that style is. And if there are any other like communication apps such as Class Tag or Dojo or Remind to lay that out for families to see and to read. So that way, families are now partnering with the teacher. So if you are listening to this, please figure out a way to best partner with our families. And I know how hard it is. Trust me, I'm there in the trenches with you trying to get that dialogue with my families. And I've been successful in some ways and not successful in any, quite a few other areas. It's what trial by error is really what it is. But having that newsletter or sending out a weekly email where families understand what they're signing up for, what they're doing so that they can better support their own learner at home. My secondary son, who's he's in middle school, he has a math teacher who sends out a weekly update in both Spanish and English translation. It is amazing. And he lays it out, gives us a nice introduction. And then he breaks it down by grade level on the subjects and units of what the kids are learning. And then he wraps it up in saying, hey, I'm noticing these trends and what's happening. Please, families, partner with me in helping keep your student motivated and engaged in the content because math is a foundational effort where if you miss a step, it's hard to recover. So my thoughts on this is that we want our families and our community partners to be involved and feel invited into our education system, which it's very complex, wouldn't you agree? We as educators need to make space, be transparent, host virtual open houses, which I will be hosting a virtual open house for just my classes in the middle of April for families to jump on. I will have ASL interpreters online with me and I will have translators of Spanish and Russian there as well, all in that Zoom open house time period. And I'm looking forward to it. And my administration, they're excited to see if there's going to be any feedback, positive or negative. I'll have a survey for families to take if they do jump on. They'll fill it out kind of like a a virtual, well, it's a virtual open house, but a virtual sign in. And if they have any questions to ask. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to share that with you in a much later episode to air, air to come, right? Also, when it comes to being culturally responsive for student-centered instruction, and communication of high expectations. I might have shared this tip a while ago, or maybe I've just thought of it. But where our classes being CTE, we focus heavily on employability standards, that career focus. What ways do you have, have you figured, bringing a real world example into the classroom? through trial and error, 
I was able to figure out. And this has a lot to do with collaboration at its finest. I use Calendly. I use Calendly.com. That is how people are able to join me and sign up on my calendar for my podcast. But a few, well, several weeks ago now, I was talking with my colleagues and they're using, they started to use Calendly. And I'm like, oh, I use that for my podcast. Yeah, that is a great resource. And they said, that would be an excellent way to incorporate our employability standards. Because when you create an appointment for the dentist or the chiropractor or the doctor, they you sign up and they and you put it on your calendar. Well, what better way to have that crossover from the real world experience into the classroom experience where we now can have students sign up for a meeting is really what it is. And it doesn't have to be bad. Well, actually, I don't want it to be bad at all. If a student has a question where they need to deepen their learning or they need to enhance their learning because they're not understanding, you're able to differentiate and give them that one-on-one time that they need. Have an appointment. Use Calendly.com. It integrates with Google and your Microsoft. It is a wonderful resource. I cannot express anything better than that. If you use Microsoft Teams, it will even integrate with your Microsoft Teams calendar. It's a great resource and very valuable. I strongly encourage you to check it out. So over-communication is a culturally responsive teaching strategy. Again, when parents feel a partnership, kids show up. Make an increased effort working with your IEP, your case manager teams, so you don't have a kid coming up to you three days before a trimester ends addressing their grade. Over-communication is key. I hope today's tips, tricks, and strategies help you and will just deepen your own learning as these are PD bites for FCS educators, but also educators throughout. If you're a community member, thank you so much for listening. Get involved. Join us. Join the conversation. Please reach out to me on our Connect FCS Ed Community Facebook page where I share tips and strategies and resources. And let's strike up a conversation. Join the community. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Each episode on the Connect FCS Ed podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families everywhere. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Thanks again for spending your time with me today, and be sure to visit fcspodcast.com for past episodes and resources to help spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.